All right, everybody, we have some great news to start the podcast today. It is Friday, December 9th. It's Friday, Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Jill is showing her elder millennial roots with the Friday, was it Rebecca Black? I think, yes, I think so. I do believe so. The one hit wonder from back in the day. Well, (laughs) anyway, you are listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts and a little bit of singing and a little bit of bad singing, I may say. I realize I have a horrible voice. No, well, you can... (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, Moshe. You can admit it. (laughs) I I was just trying to make you feel good on this Friday, Jill. (laughs) I'm well aware that this voice is meant for podcasting and not singing. Here are the headlines that we are working on this morning. Brittany Griner has been freed from Russia. We have a behind-the-scenes look at how this all may have played out. Some more protection for gay marriage in the United States. A potential breakthrough cancer treatment. Celine Dion speaks out about her rare diagnosis. And on a lighter note, if you were an ice cream, which flavor would you be? Okay, let's start with um, the White House securing the release of American basketball player Brittany Griner. She's been held for months in Russia on drug charges. The release was in exchange for Russian arms trafficker Victor Boot, whose nickname, by the way, is the Merchant of Death. The swap is a major diplomatic achievement for President Biden. It was a one-for-one exchange given final approval by President Biden within just the last week, according to sources familiar with the deal. The swap took place on Thursday in the United Arab Emirates. Griner was arrested in Russia on February 17th for possession of vape cartridges containing hash oil. This was some really incredible news to wake up to on Thursday, Jill. The White House put out the statement early in the morning. The president uh, put out photos, said he spoke to Griner by phone from the Oval Office. They put out a photo of this. He was joined by Brittany Griner's wife, Sherelle, as well as Vice President Kamala Harris and the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. Per standard procedure here for freed U.S. prisoners, Griner went through a medical evaluation in a third country and then is expected to make her way to the U.S. And Jill, this has been months in the making. Uh, You know, we've known since Griner got arrested, which was about a week before Putin invaded Ukraine, that this was a high priority for the White House. Uh, They tried to make a go at it earlier this spring. They actually did a previous prisoner swap uh, in April uh, where they tried to get Griner, but that was also a one-for-one. In that case, we brought home a former Marine named Trevor Reed. Uh, So that happened in the spring. And these conversations continued throughout the spring and summer. And if you recall, as we've been telling you, the U.S. was aiming for a two for two, as in we would trade two prisoners for Brittany Griner and a former U.S. Marine who has been held over there for about four years named Paul Whelan. Moshe, as you said, the thinking was that this was going to be this kind of double trade for Griner and Whelan for two Russian prisoners. Um, But not quite, right? That is clearly not what happened. Um, Officials say it became clear in their talks with Russians that it was, quote, a choice between bringing home one particular American, Brittany Griner, or bringing home none. Uh, A little bit of background, Whelan has been in Russia for about four years. He was a security contractor. He was in Moscow for a friend's wedding, and he was detained at a hotel. This was in December 2018. He wound up being sentenced to 16 years in prison for espionage. Uh, Needless to say, Mosh, interestingly, it looks like this whole trade has gotten a lot of mixed reaction, including on your Instagram feed. Yeah, you know, people are very passionate about this. Uh, You know, there's a lot of questions as to who deserved to come home. Um, And, you know, the White House is adamant here that they basically had a choice between 
uh, as you said, Nunn or Griner, that the uh, NBC News is reporting that actually the Russians, in exchange for Whelan, wanted a Russian spy. The U.S. officially says we are not holding any Russian spies right now. So they made it very difficult to get Whelan back. Of course, he's officially being held on espionage charges in Russia, hence probably why they want that in exchange. There are critics who are frustrated that uh, Brittany Griner has been critical of the United States uh, in previous statements, that she didn't stand for the national anthem at times during athletic protests. Uh, and people are like, well, shouldn't we brought home the Marine instead of the athlete? You know, my reaction to this and this debate, uh, Jill, is frankly, you know, no American deserves to be in a Russian gulag. And the White House has to make some really difficult decisions when it comes to these prisoner exchanges with countries like Iran, Russia, North Korea, China. We've been doing it for decades. Uh, and they're trying to get uh, the best deal they can to bring Americans home. And the challenge here, Jill, frankly, was you had this convicted arms dealer, Victor Boot, who you mentioned. Uh, he was arrested uh, right around 2011, and he was about 12 years into a 25-year term. So he's served about half of his prison sentence. Uh, you, ne- you noted you know, how notorious he was, that he was called one of the prolific, most prolific arms dealers. He actually was depicted in a film a few years ago uh, called Lord of the War, where Nicolas Cage basically played him, if you've seen that film. Either way, the determination was made within the national security establishment, within the White House, that bringing Brittany Griner home was worth sending this guy 12 years after uh, he was arrested and serving his prison time back to Russia, where they feel they can monitor him to a certain extent. I should note, by the way, also, Jill, that Whelan's family put out an extensive statement, a very generous statement, actually. And as part of it, they said they understand and support the decision to bring home Griner, even though they're disappointed that they weren't able to bring home Paul. Moshe, I I definitely get both sides, but I'm with you. Get whoever you can get home. You know, I'm just thrilled that she's back. Nobody, no American deserves to be, as you said, living in a penal colony in Russia for like a made up fake thing. For for a couple ounces of cannabis oil uh, in her vape or uh, and it was a medicinal. But it does go to show you check the laws in the country you travel to. Uh, because they will, you know, use any excuse sometimes to arrest an American, especially more and more countries these days know they can extract these sorts of uh, trades. A State Department official actually said there are between 40 and 50 Americans right now that are being wrongfully detained by foreign governments. About two thirds of them are held in a handful of countries. And it's the usual suspects, Iran, North Korea, China, Russia. Interestingly, you know, since we've been talking about this all year, Jill, it was one of the topics that I discussed with former CIA director Michael Morell when I had the chance to speak to him earlier this summer. And he took us inside how these negotiations go inside the Situation Room from his perspective as the former CIA director. You're meeting with those families. They're begging you, right, to help in any way you can. And at the same time, you've got people like me coming in the room and saying, if you do this, you're just going to incentivize, right, the taking of hostages. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never been on the side of having to make the decision. I've always been on the side of saying, here are the consequences mm. of making the decision. So I've had the easy job. Um, it, it, but it, it, look, it's really hard. It is a really hard decision to make. Um, because you're dealing with a set of current circumstances that cry out for doing the trade, while at the same time you know that this is just going to incentivize more of it. 
So Jill, you're hearing the other perspective there, the national security perspective that you hear from the CIA directors, the defense secretaries, who are very worried about this sort of thing. And you hear, you know, the presidents will go around the table and hear from the State Department, hear from the CIA, and they'll each give their take. And what Morell is saying here is that from the CIA perspective, he was against all of these, acknowledging, though, that he doesn't have to deal with the families or the politics of it. But from his perspective, any major arrest, uh, the U.S. should hold on to those people and that ultimately freeing and doing these sorts of exchanges will incentivize bad actors to do this sort of thing more often in the future. Another story out of Washington, legislation that will cement same-sex marriage rights into federal law is now headed to President Biden's desk for a signature. U.S. House lawmakers approved a law yesterday that requires all states to recognize same-sex marriages. The vote was 258 to 169 with all Democrats present joined by 39 Republicans in backing the measure. And it comes after the Senate passed the same bill last month. And this comes as a relief for hundreds of thousands of couples who have married since the Supreme Court's 2015 decision that legalized same-sex marriages and view this law as a backup if the ruling was ever overturned. Supporters say the proposal marks the most significant gay rights measure to pass in Congress since lawmakers agreed in 2010 to repeal the U.S. military's don't ask, don't tell policy. Yeah, it's a pretty notable, Jill. We're going to expect uh, Biden to be signing the the law in the next few days. Uh, same-sex marriage is now the law of the land, you could say, uh, reinforced uh, twice over. Because, of course, you had the Supreme Court decision back in 2015. And this is sort of a backup, but this is a lesson learned from what took place with abortion. And the concern here is that in the Roe v. Wade decision, in the overturn back in June, Clarence Thomas, the conservative justice, said, they should reconsider same-sex marriage, among other cases. That really uh, put a lot of fear in same-sex marriage proponents. And by the way, when you look at polling across the country now, more than 70% of Americans now support same-sex marriage. It's gone through a pretty incredible evolution. And so they don't want to happen what happened to abortion. Remember, Roe v. Wade was decided on by the Supreme Court 50 years ago. And what that meant is that many states didn't repeal their laws. There was no reinforcement by Congress to codify abortion. Because people kind of assumed it was always going to be around. Well, that is no longer the case. And uh, you saw what unfolded over the past six months. So proponents here were telling Democrats, please don't let that happen to us. And so they were able to put together pieces of legislation. And we should note here, this law does not require all states to make same-sex marriage legal, but it does require all states to recognize legal marriages done in other states. Uh, and so that was one of the ways they were able to get some of these Republicans aboard. You mentioned the 39 in the House. When the Senate passed it, they had 12 Republican votes. Uh, and I was struck uh, uh, by a comment by Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader of the Senate. He made a point on Thursday to attend the House vote uh, because his daughter is married to a woman. They're expecting their first child next year. And uh, Schumer told reporters, quote, my grandchild will live in a world that will respect and honor their mother's marriage. I know we have a lot of news to get to, but I want to thank this week's sponsor, Athletic Greens. There's a great deal for Mo News listeners that I want to tell you about. The Athletic Greens AG1 all-in-one vitamin is a must as we now try to get through this flu season. Trying to get all your vitamins in, as many of you know, can be tough. Uh, and if you're trying to take them individually, 
they can be tough to keep track of, can get pricey. You know, I was uh, taking a few for a while, a couple with breakfast, with lunch, with dinner. Uh, and what I have loved since I've gotten started here with Athletic Greens AG1 powder for a couple months now is it's literally just one scoop of the AG1 powder with a glass of water in the morning. The experience is simple, affordable, and I'm feeling an extra boost of energy, uh, especially when I used to lag midday. The AG1 powder contains over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. Uh, It also has pre and probiotics to support your gut health. And here is the best news. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. You can visit athleticgreens.com backslash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription or try it one time for just one month. Again, it's athleticgreens.com backslash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, for this special deal. Uh, and it really will help you start to take ownership of your health. All right, as we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bull & Branch Bedding & Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at Mo News. We only endorse products that we love. And we've been using Bull & Branch for more than two years now in our home. The sheets have been great, soft, breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather. We noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house. I know Jill has as well. They're made with 100% organic cotton, completely free from toxins. I know that is very important to a number of you. And it's not just sheets. They have blankets, duvets, pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code MONEWS for 15% off. Exclusions do apply. See site for details. All right, time now for the speed read from the New York Times. The Federal Trade Commission is suing to block Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of the video game maker Activision. It is one of the most aggressive actions taken by federal regulators in decades to check the power of the tech industry's giants. The FTC said in a lawsuit that the deal would harm consumers because Microsoft could use Activision's blockbuster games like Call of Duty to lure gamers from rivals. Microsoft's acquisition of Activision would have been the largest consumer technology deal since AOL bought Time Warner two decades ago. It would marry Microsoft's Xbox console and game streaming service, which many consider gaming's future, with Activision titles like Call of Duty and Candy Crush. Yeah, this is sort of the story of all tech regulation right now, Jill. The concern about one company owning both the devices and the content, owning the pipes and the content. And that's the big concern here with this merger of Microsoft and Activision. What does it mean to a Sony? What does it mean to a Nintendo, etc.? So for the chair of the Federal Trade Commission, the lawsuit will really test whether this aggressive plan to rein in the power of big tech can actually survive in the courts. You know, keep in mind in Washington, they have their sights set right now on the Googles, on the Amazons, on the Facebooks, that uh, there is a increasing feeling in both parties uh, that they've grown too large. And the U.S. isn't alone here. The U.K., the European Union are also scrutinizing this deal. But the U.S. complaint will mark the first attempt by any of the regulators to actually block the deal outright. 
we should mention here, Microsoft just put out a statement saying they're not going to abandon this deal. Uh, you know, they're going to be play play nice. They're going to be friendly. Uh, they think it'll expand competition. It's what every major company says when they buy another company. No, we'll expand competition. It'll be better for gamers, developers, consumers. Interestingly, the uh, president of uh, Microsoft also said, we were ready to play nice and be peaceful here with the FTC, but clearly uh, they're taking things to court and we're ready to have our day in court. Lena Khan, who's the head of the FTC, she was very, very, I'd say, hyped up. A lot of people were really excited about her appointment to this position. Mm. Um, And this is one of her first big moves. So it's going to be interesting to see how it's going to play out. And it's interesting that this is what she's, choosing to really, you know, sink her teeth into and, and put up a fight about. Well, especially, I mean, they have multiple battles, but but this in particular, uh, the prominence is interesting, Jill, right? Because, you know, there's been a lot of talk of how Amazon is crushing, you know, small companies, how uh, met, the metas of the world control social media uh, and have, you know, they bought Instagram, they bought Oculus, they bought WhatsApp. So uh, there, it really bears watching as you start to have louder and louder voices among Democrats and Republicans who uh, are concerned about just the the gargantuan nature of these tech companies these days. From NBC News, an experimental treatment for advanced melanoma is poised to be the next major advance in cancer treatment, according to some experts. The results of a phase three clinical trial published in the New England Journal of Medicine showed that the treatment, which uses a super concentrated boost of a person's own immune cells, was more effective than the leading existing treatments at putting patients into remission. The trial was conducted by researchers in the Netherlands, and it caps off a stunning decade of progress in the treatment for metastatic melanoma, a disease that a little more than a decade ago had a five-year survival rate of just 5%. It's really remarkable how the technology has evolved here and what they're developing. A reminder that metastatic melanoma is the disease that occurs when cancerous cells from the original tumor, the primary tumor, get loose and are spread by traveling through the lymph or blood circulation and then start a new tumor called a metastatic tumor somewhere else. Once it spreads, it's known as metastatic melanoma. About 100,000 Americans a year uh, are diagnosed with it, Jill. So this new approach, they're calling a TIL therapy. It uses immune cells harvested from the tumor itself to fight the cancer. So they take these immune cells from the tumor, they supercharge them in a lab where they multiply them until they number in the billions, basically an army, and then they put them back in the tumor to fight the tumor. So this clinical trial included 168 patients with advanced melanoma, nearly all of whom had already tried but didn't respond to other treatments. And among the patients, they found a 50% reduction in disease progression and death compared to those who were treated with a different drug. The therapy didn't work in all participants, but one of the more surprising details was that 20% of the TIL patients had complete remissions, meaning all their tumors disappeared. Uh, One scientist working on it said that was better than we had expected. So good news in the fight to eradicate cancer. From the AP, Iran executes first known prisoner arrested in protests. Iran said it has executed a prisoner convicted for a crime allegedly committed during the country's ongoing nationwide protests. It is the first such death penalty carried out by Tehran. The execution of Mohsen Shikari comes as other detainees also face the possibility of the death penalty for their involvement in the protests. They started in mid-September. They've expanded into one of the most serious challenges to Iran's regime since the 1979 Islamic Revolution. 
Activists warned that others could also be put to death in the near future, saying that at least a dozen people so far have received death sentences over their involvement in the demonstrations. And there's more than 10,000 allegedly in Iranian prisons who've been arrested on the streets. Um, Iran, the uh, regime, very concerned that these protests continue, these demonstrations continue. Uh, They would call it, in fact, the protesters call it a revolution uh, continues. They're trying to figure out a way to try to dissuade people. And so that's why, unfortunately, they're, uh, in this case, turning to executing some of these protesters. Uh, One of the human rights groups that's watching uh, all of this outside the country is a group called Iran Human Rights. They said that the execution, quote, must be met with strong reactions. Otherwise, we will be facing daily executions moving forward. So the U.S. is among many countries on Thursday that condemn this. The State Department spokesperson was asked about the execution. Uh, He said, this is Ned Price from the State Department, said it represents a grim escalation in the regime's attempt to suppress dissent and quash these protests. Uh, I think other critics right now are waiting for President Biden to say more. Uh, And because there is increasing concern here that Iran, uh, seeing that they haven't been able to quell these protests or stop these protests uh, is going to be resorting to this if they don't see real international condemnation. From National Geographic, two million-year-old DNA reveals a lost Arctic world. After an eight-year effort to recover DNA from Greenland's frozen interior, researchers say they have managed to sequence gene fragments from ancient fish, plants, and even a mastodon that lived two million years ago. It is the oldest DNA ever recovered. The researchers examined genetic material that was left behind by dozens of species and washed into sediment layers long ago. The DNA was preserved by freezing temperatures and bound to clay and quartz, which also slows down the process of degradation. The genetic findings paint a picture of an era when Greenland was covered with flowering plants and cedar trees, and could provide clues to how ecosystems adapted to warmer climates in the past. There was a time, Jill, we're discovering where Greenland was green, in fact, and not the icy, snow-filled place that it is today. Um, By the way, you know, whenever I see these stories, I feel like they really, the people who put together Jurassic Park really could see into the future, because this whole recovering (laughs) DNA from millions of years ago is pretty, like, it's real now. No, 100% motion. And it's it's very cool. Um, and especially with AI and everything, and they could really put together these images of what the creatures looked like and, and what these places actually looked like so so many years ago. And, and what they're getting the sense of is that based on this DNA, they're able to tell that Greenland, the whole polar region, the Arctic, was 11 to 17 degrees Celsius warmer than it is today, uh, translating that to Fahrenheit, 20 to 30 degrees warmer than it is today. Uh, And what they're looking at is given climate change, uh, obviously this is an extreme scenario. We're talking about one to two degrees warmer, three degrees is worst case scenario. This is a completely different world two million years ago. But it does give you a sense of the swampy earth, oceans are bigger, how the organisms adapted to this much warmer climate. And what's interesting, one of the scientists was saying, one of the clues they get from these DNA findings of the plants and animals is they have this genetic roadmap for effectively engineering plants if need be. If the earth gets warmer, how do we engineer plants to ensure they can survive in these much warmer climates like they did 2 million years ago? Obviously, we don't want to have to get there because I can't, I mean, we talk about earth warming at three degrees or four degrees being the worst case scenario. I can't imagine what 11 to 17 degrees uh, earth would look like. We are getting a sense of it. Either way, we are able to now look into earth's history, animal history, plant history, 
for clues on how to adapt as our earth changes these days. Okay, our next story from People Magazine. Celine Dion, diagnosed with stiff person syndrome. She revealed Thursday morning that she's been diagnosed with this syndrome, sharing a tearful Instagram video that the condition would force her to postpone and cancel a series of upcoming concert dates. While we're still learning about this rare condition, we now know this is what's been causing all of the spasms that I've been having. I have a great team of doctors working alongside me to help me get better. And my precious children who are supporting me and giving me hope. She says, quote, I have been dealing with problems with my health for a long time, and it's been really difficult for me to face these challenges and to talk about everything that I've been going through, admitting that she is still learning about this very rare condition and how it impacts her life and her music career. Yeah, I hadn't heard about this before, uh, Jill. And apparently it's very, very rare. Only one in a million people are diagnosed with it. 5,000 people in the U.S. have this disorder. Apparently, it's an incurable neurological disease that affects the central nervous system, specifically the brain and spinal cord. The Wall Street Journal reports that it typically develops between the ages of 30 and 60, and women are twice as likely to be diagnosed with the syndrome than men. Experts say the cause of what they call SPS, uh, stiff person syndrome, is unknown, but it is believed to be an autoimmune disease where the body's immune system attacks healthy cells. Usually, a person's torso muscles stiffen first followed by muscles in the legs, arm, face, elsewhere. Eventually, the muscles can become so stiff that some people develop a hunched posture or difficulty walking, and then some people may eventually need a cane or a wheelchair. Uh, wishing wishing Celine a uh, quick recovery or a, a way to manage this uh, moving forward. It was some very sad news to hear. All right, Mosh, what do you have for us for on this day? So I got a couple I got a couple from the pop culture world for you, Jill. Okay. 33 years ago today, We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel reaches number one on the Billboard charts. Wow, 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 wow. Um, do you remember the song? I, I, I'm trying to so, like, dig back into my brain so right now. So my favorite part, like obviously as kind of a history nerd, I love the song because he takes you through the decades, right? So, I mean, he begins He begins in the 50s, right? With Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red, China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific. South Pacific, Walter Witchell, Joe, Joe DiMaggio. DiMaggio. Joe McCarthy, Richard Nixon, Studebaker, Television, North Korea, South Korea. Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my God. It's good. <laughs> and then, like, you get later and you get, like, Hemingway, Eichmann, Stranger in a Strange Land. They eventually take you to the 80s, right? Because I remember Wheel of Fortune, Sally Ride. Heavy Metal Suicide. Rock and Roller Cola Wars. I can't take it anymore. That I remember, yes. We have done more singing on this podcast than I think the entire, all the episodes we've ever done before. So anyway, so that's your- Than I've ever done ever in on air, ever. And I apologize because I realize I have not a great We promise if you guys all come back on Monday, less singing, less singing. So that's the Billy Joel headline. And then I found a Seinfeld anniversary for you today. Ooh, talk to me. On this day, December 9th, 1993, was the Seinfeld episode where Frank Costanza finds that his TV guide collection that contains every issue since 1972 is short one copy. 
That's a great episode. And uh, Elaine leaves it on the subway and some guy finds it and turns it into a bouquet. Uh, and he calls it the guide. He's like, I never knew a pretty lady read the guide. <laughs> it's a great episode. I happen to be in the process of rewatching Seinfeld. I watch it when I go to sleep, actually, like when I just need something kind of mindless mm -hmm. to have on in the background. So all of these episodes are pretty fresh in my brain. Um, but it does it does throw you back to an era where you needed a TV guide to know what was going to be on TV. Um, and I was doing a throwback thing on the Instagram account Thursday night because someone had noted one of the songs I used. They're like, you must have really, you must, they named, they, they're like, you must be 40 years old because the, the songs you're dropping with some of your Instagram stories like are only known to us between like 1992 and 2002. I was like, you're right. I am 40 years old. You put a story, you actually put a song on one of our podcasts, like for the backdrop of one of our podcasts that I had no clue what it was. And I had to look it up. I thought it was something. I thought it was Spice Girls. It was C'est La Vie is the oh, name of it. Bewitch C'est La Vie from 1998. Yeah. Yes. I actually had not heard of it. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on with Moshe right now? <laughs> and I had to Google it because I was going to write something like, um, like nice Spice Girls pick. And then I'm like, I don't even think it's Spice Girls. So I guess that that would be sort of a geriatric millennial pick too. A thousand percent. Uh, Bewitched was a Irish girl group. So you 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 can legitimately be confused with them with the, with the Spice Girls because they came out around the same time. This was sort of the late 90s era when they just kept putting like girl bands together and boy bands together. So you had Backstreet, you had, you had NSYNC, then you had Westlife out of England, 98 Degrees, Spice Girls, Bewitched. A lot of them end up being kind of one-hit wonders, but, you know, so anyway, the, the, the point being, I put that song, somebody recognized it, and I ended up, like, going to a whole throwback of, like, early 2000s downloading of music on, like, Napster, Kazaa, LimeWire, uh, playing it on Winamp, and, like, there were a whole bunch of geriatric millennials that were, like, loving loving that whole mix of stories. And Mosh, it is Friday. Uh, cheers to the freaking weekend. What are we watching, reading, and eating? So I'm going to be waking up uh, pretty early for me on a Saturday tomorrow to watch the Moroccans in the World Cup. We are down to the quarterfinals, the round of eight. Uh, after their big victory over the Spanish, the underdogs, uh, the underdog Moroccans, we take on the Portuguese. So I'll be watching that. And then we got really into White Lotus. So I'm trying to finish season two of White Lotus. And then, Jill, we've talked about it this week, but we got the Netflix Harry and Meghan show that premiered yesterday. Part one of the docuseries, right? Right. Okay, Jill, now to what you're reading this weekend. I'm going to be reading The College Essay is Dead. Nobody is prepared for how AI will transform academia. That is uh, an essay that is currently in the Atlantic. And I think that it's, it's fascinating because when you think about this, they're getting rid of SATs and ACTs, right? All of these standardized tests. Mm -hmm. Now AI is basically able to write essays for you. What are applications? What what are what is anything going to be based on for admissions? It's a really good question. I I, I look forward. I'm I'm going to take a look at that piece too. I'm glad you uh, you brought it up earlier this week. I posted on Instagram about Chat GPT. If you've been following that story, it's been blowing up. Effectively, it's a new AI uh, function, and you basically can just write to AI to a computer. Please write me an essay. Uh, talking about uh, my passion for literature written in the style of Shakespeare. Or uh, can you, I mean, you, it runs the gamut. And like, it's really incredible what it does. It's like, write me a poem about the beauty of the spring. Or in this case, 
write me uh, an episode of the Mo News podcast where we tell you the latest about Iran, <laughs> uh, Washington, and Brittany Griner. And it just pulls uh, from the internet. It does an incredible job. We should note for the record, by the way, we did not have AI write a single <laughs> word in this podcast, but that's where we're getting. And I got all these notes from teachers after I posted about it, being like, I'm genuinely worried. I don't know how I'm going to be able to tell uh, whether students are actually writing things or using an AI function to be able to do this. It blows my mind. Um, and it's also so sad. I felt like writing was the one thing that we we still had, yeah. <laughs> you know? It'll be really, you know, like I, I remember when like teachers were most concerned about people like lifting stuff from Wikipedia. Uh, and obviously there's a lot of software now that allows uh, teachers to find plagiarism from the internet and search Google for that sort of thing. But this is a whole different thing. Uh, and I wonder if uh, any of these AI um Companies will have to get together with education at some point, but typically, you know, we all go through these phases where there's these new technologies and we don't know quite how to adapt and and then eventually they come around. But it's, it's fascinating how that's going to change things. Okay. And my favorite of these topics, what are we eating, Mosh? Well, I'm excited for this, even though I can't eat it this weekend, Jill. So uh, Ava DuVernay, the director, uh, has a new Ben & Jerry's flavor called Lights Caramel Action. Like Lights Caramel. 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 <laughs> but you know, in the Midwest, we call it caramel. Right. It's in New Yorkers call it like pronounce every single one of those vowels. Caramel. caramel. So she has lights caramel action. Apparently it'll be available next month, but they announced it this week. Uh, and it actually sounds good to me. You know, not all these like special flavors always sound very good, but this is chocolate chip cookie dough, graham cracker swirls and salted caramel swirls, which could be pretty good. So I'm looking forward to checking that out in January. Yeah, because you've got that salty and sweet. I like it. It's it's a good mix. Jill, if you were to make your own flavor, what are there any ingredients that you would be sure to include or not include? So I was thinking if it was a Jill Wagner flavor, mm -hmm. right? Because this is like an this is about her. Yeah. I guess I feel like I am a very, very typical Gemini, which is, you know, kind of a dual personality. So I would go with a little chocolate, a little vanilla. Then cookie dough, just because it's so good. Um, so I definitely would do cookie dough and then maybe uh, rainbow sprinkles. Rainbow sprinkles? I was not expecting that. that is, and by the way, Jill, I, we haven't discussed it on the podcast. I am a fellow Gemini. So between the two of us, there's four of us, which might- That's why these podcasts just keep going long because we, <laughs> we're talkers. Um, we, we have found that the Geminis, I'm not too deep into the Zodiac, but- I, I remember working in many newsrooms and I guess our, our sign is known for being great communicators. So I just remember like a third of the birthdays in the newsrooms I've worked at at CBS and, and uh, Bloomberg and Fox, all the birthdays happened between May and June. Like all of us just like boom, 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 boom. Because I don't know, Gemini's all clam onto journalism and communication. That's so, it's so interesting. It's right. You don't buy into it, but then sometimes, you know, you're like, okay, that person's totally a Scorpio or totally a Pisces. Anyway, <laughs> I, I don't know that much about the other signs. I know a lot about my sign and my wife's a Capricorn. So I've started to learn about the them as well. Um, I feel like key, key to me with my ice cream flavor will also be variety. I don't know about the sprinkles, but I, you know, I love derivatives of, um, of uh, Rocky Road. So like, I like a marshmallow. I like a peanut butter. I like a hazelnut and then, you know, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. 
we we can dream, right? I want to create my own flavor one day. Right. Your own flavor. Maybe we could start with the Mo News ice cream flavor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that idea. Um, okay. But we do need to go. We want to send everyone uh, off in a good mood for their weekend. Thank you so much for listening to the Mo News podcast. Follow us, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the app store so we can continue to grow. Loving all the reviews you're leaving. Thank you so much for your support of the podcast. Uh, if you haven't caught it already, we put out an extra edition this week, a sixth edition. It was uh, featuring uh, my interviews with Sharon McMahon on the Supreme Court. So if you're uh, looking to drill down on all things Supreme Court and their big week, uh, that edition came out yesterday. So take a listen to that over the weekend. Otherwise, we will see everyone back here on Monday. Bye. Bye.